Welcome to Watch Party Wheel of Time. I'm your host, Ruark, joined once but once again by our panel. Say hello, panel. Hello. hello. Joining me today, it's David. Coming in five by five from Austin. There's Siobhan. Hello, everybody. I see Axel. Good afternoon. And Greg. Rock Tajino hot. <laughs> 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 okay, it's already bad enough <laughs> without you stealing David's intro. Uh, hey, you stole mine. <laughs> I do have to admit this this was a coordinated effort. So okay, yeah. I, I did not I did not pick up the first part. Okay, uh, yeah. So um, just to explain that little in joke to everybody, uh, I have this problem where I keep calling greg by david's name and actually earlier today before the episode i actually called david by greg's name so it's obviously not just one way and and apparently a lot of the listeners can't tell them apart either so we're just gonna make it harder for everyone (laughs) last time i promised but it was worth it yes the funny thing is i know both of them i know them well i know their names and yet i still get them mixed up (laughs) anyway let's uh start into this episode (laughs) uh today we are going to be talking about the two rivers where where our heroes are from we're going to do a deep dive into uh what the two rivers is their history their geography uh the people around there their government their culture We're, we're just going to get right in there okay so the two rivers. Um, I'm going to start out by asking asking all of y'all uh, what you know about the two rivers. Let's see where we're at so far. So well. I'll take point <laughs> since I got called on already. Um, so we know that they are the descendants of Metherin, that when Metherin was destroyed, the survivors um, took the the children and I guess, you know, whoever else couldn't fight and scattered to the woods and that when they returned, they rebuilt into this rural village. Okay. Um, Anything else that we know about the two rivers? It's pretty isolated. There's not a lot of trust of outsiders and all the things that they need are kind of within that one community. Okay. Um, yeah, pretty much everything you've said so far is is absolutely accurate, um, and I'm going to help fill in a little bit more. Um, so, uh, first of all, where our, our, our uh, heroes are from in the show, they just keep referring to it as the Two Rivers. The Two Rivers is actually more like the county. It's the entire region. There are actually multiple little towns and hamlets within the two rivers itself that town that our 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 crew is from is called emmons field e-m-o-n-d-s field and there are a few other communities in in the two rivers there's watch hill there's devon ride and of course there's terran ferry and so it, it it's a little bit larger than they've kind of been making it out to be in the show I think there are a couple of references to the fact that the vill- that they're, they're from a village and the region is... Um... Yeah, yeah. There there were a couple mentions in the x-ray material, I believe it was. Yeah, um, I didn't pick but, up but, on that at all. 
Yeah, nothing but in the show itself. Very much blink and you'll miss it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this region, it's it's very geographically isolated, as you said. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit, a little bit more in a minute. Um, but the the thing that this region is known for, their major exports are wool and tabak. Uh, tabak, obviously, being tobacco. Uh, these are the the two major things that they grow in the two rivers, and the two major things they export to the rest of the world. Um, two rivers tabak is actually uh, known pretty much throughout the rest of the world. It is it is pretty much the premium tobacco that everybody, oh, most rich people want. So. And the funny thing is, the people in the Two Rivers don't really know that. They just sell their tobacco. They don't realize that everybody else in the world knows how good their tobacco is. Hmm. I want to keep that on the down low to avoid price gouging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they also uh, sell a little bit of apple brandy to the outside world. That's It's a much smaller uh, um, crop than... than wool or tobacco is but they do are known for selling apple brandy which which we did see uh tam when at the beginning of the show he's bringing his own apple brandy into town for the festival um tam does not sell his apple brandy to the outside world that is for two rivers people only i think that's uh you know tam's small batch special pop-up just for the uh the festivals stuff and you've got to be in the know to get the good stuff you know it's, uh -huh. it, it's like it's from brooklyn you know, it, 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 it's really, really primo stuff. It's the reserve, Two Rivers Reserve. And uh, the I think this this is just me uh, going from what I know, but I think the reason that uh, the Two Rivers is known for wool and tabac is because, well, Robert Jordan is from South Carolina, and that is a major tobacco center of the world mm -hmm. um that, that's where a, a lot of tobacco is grown in that region so he's obviously you know working from what he knows there yes carolinas virginia yeah yeah um so as you said uh the two rivers itself is isolated um the by the geography of it um so we've got the two rivers uh both the two rivers that we we are um speaking of that form the true the two rivers area um that's the uh river Terran and the white river uh both of which come out of the mountains of mist so you've got the mountains of mist in the west which are a very high craggy impassable mountain range um you've got the two rivers coming out of those mountains and then joining up to create the mammotherandrel So the delta between those two rivers and the mountains is the region known as the two rivers. Hmm. And it's very hard to get to because you've got those mountains on the, on the west that are impassable. To the south, the White River is called the White River for good reason. It, it is a very impassable, very full of rapids and, and you know, white foam river. So people do not cross the White River. And even if you did cross the White River, immediately to the south of that is uh, a formation known as Garen's Wall, which is yet more mountains that are hard to get across. Um, and then to the east, uh, where the two rivers delta together, becomes very, very marshy and impassable itself. Uh, I think, Greg, you know a little bit about that. A little bit. 
Sounds sounds a little bit like uh, where you grew up, I think. Yeah, kind of. We're a little more prairie area, but there's there's definitely marshes and and the like out there. Yeah. Um, so that leaves to the north and across the River Terran. And uh, so the only way actually in and out of the two rivers itself is that ferry crossing at Terran Ferry. So that is why the two rivers is so geographically isolated and, and considered to be on the back end of nowhere. They really, there's really only one way in and out, and it's that ferry. Catch. Also explains same. why Moraine sinking that ferry is a big deal. Right. Yes. Yes, a very big deal. Um, so um, within uh, that delta region that we were just talking about, we have all of those those villages. So we have the the Terran Ferry at the north, uh, very north end. That's uh, the first. That's how you get into the Two Rivers region. And they, I don't think they consider themselves part of the Two Rivers. And the rest of the towns in the Two Rivers also don't consider them within Emmonsfield. Uh, talk of Terran Ferry folk is is you know those people over there, and they're going to try to try to screw you as whatever way they can to get all your money kind of thing. Yeah. That's how, that's how they view Terran Ferry and Terran Ferry views everybody else in the two rivers as those down country yokels. That makes sense. Yeah. So is Terran Ferry a larger town than the others? Um, I don't know that it's any larger. It's just closer to the outside world. So they mm. feel more. And that's going to be where, trade routes pass so that's the big cosmopolitan center it's the big city yeah. even if it isn't big yeah it's and, and so clearly it's the cool place where every you know where everyone who wants to to, to get into the outside world goes and yeah it's bumpkins back down yeah. south so uh then we have one major road that heads uh due south through the two rivers and uh the first uh town that you come to is going to be called watch hill and that's very similar to Emmonsfield is uh, what we saw in Emmonsfield, uh, just a, a collection of, of houses and, and craftspeople and things, um, and it's situated on top of a hill, hence Watch Hill. Um, to the south of that is where Emmonsfield itself is, and to the very south of that, almost to the White River, is where Devon Ride is. Uh, so Devon Ride are the real downcountry hicks, and, and Terran Ferry <laughs> are the, the upcountry hoity-toities, I guess. from up country. Yeah. <laughs> Letterkenny viewers would recognize. And, and you know, honestly, I, 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 now that you bring that up, I can really see Letterkenny fitting in in the Two Rivers really well. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I want to see the Letterkenny Two Rivers edition. This is... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> To be, fair. Embarrassing. to be fair, to be fair, to be fair. So, uh, geography of the two rivers, we've got, uh, we covered most of it. Uh, from Emmonsfield itself, uh, there is a, what is known as the Old Quarry Road that heads up into the Mountains of Mist. Uh, that Old Quarry Road is what will lead to Tam and Rand's uh, sheep farm up in the foothills. Uh, there's a few other farms up in that area as well. Um, and that old quarry road uh, dead ends way up in the mountains proper. Um, any theories as to where that old quarry road might lead? Uh, I would assume a quarry. That's correct. What do you think they were? <laughs> what What oh. do you think they were quarrying? 
uh, rocks. Right. <laughs> stone <laughs> built, that was a real building, building stone would be my, here my today. <laughs> and uh, do you think it's easier to chip out new building stone or to reuse old building oh, stone? Oh, right. So it's an old city, the old capital right. of. Um... That would be uh, Manethrin itself. Manethrin, yep. Oh. Yeah. Which okay. at this point is not much of anything because they've quarried all the rock out of it. Gotcha. Hmm. So, um, back down in Emmons Field, we're going to explore that for a moment. Uh, does the name Emmond sound familiar in any way? You mentioned in the past that that was the king of Manethrin when Manethrin died and that that was the battlefield yeah. that he fell um, at. Yeah, so... Uh, Emmons Field is named for King Amon, uh, who died defending Minethrin. Um, it was originally called Amon's Field, and over the 2,000 years between, uh, we end up with Emmons Field because language drifts. So uh, before we started recording, I provided uh, all of you with a few maps of the area, and I just want to see what you guys can find from, from looking at those. Um, so there's one that shows, like, uh, I guess it's primarily a political map. It says the Westlands, and it has all the nations on it. And zooming into a section of it, I can see Manethrin marked on the map um, up in the mountains. And then Manethrin Drell, um, which I guess is the river to the south and links yeah. up with the whole thing. And yeah, Drell is is generally a suffix, uh, an old tongue suffix, which just basically means river. So anytime you see something that ends in Drell, it's usually a river name. Right. Um, and then, and so with it being up in the mountains and through the forest to get there, I, I would assume either it's at a mountain pass or it was at the top of, it was, it was only accessible from one side to make it re a really good defensive castle. Yeah, and and they don't really uh, explore that in the books very much because you know Manethrin is is mostly a myth at this point. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it, it, it's like talking about uh, um, I don't know battles in ancient Greece or something. You know, we don't know yeah. all the fine details. Yeah. Um, but I I get the feeling it was made to be defensible, and it's not a mountain pass. Um, it's known as Mountain Home, which mm -hmm. uh, you know sounds very Wagnerian, honestly. Yeah. And and generally has has kind of a dwarvish Tolkien kind of feel to it. So, but yeah. also with its position in the mountains, right south of this Lake Somal, I, I get sort of a Tahoe vibe about it. Oh, uh, yeah. it it it's it's an interesting uh, interesting position there. I don't know how defensible I, Tahoe is, but uh, and I can tell you that that lake is actually on the other side of the mountains. It's very okay. very difficult to get at from this side. Gotcha. Okay. And then to the south of it is the uh, the great nation of Khelden, or Khelden, Khelden. Yep, Khelden. Yes. <laughs> and and it's interesting that that Gilden or Gailden, however they're they're pronouncing it, <laughs> Khelden, uh, is directly south of the two rivers. Yet there's no um, transport between them, and it's because of the White River and then Garen's Wall right beyond it which to me kind of reads like, you know, Northern Italy or something, you know, they, they, they didn't do a whole lot of trade up 
through across the Alps in northern Italy. They'd rather go around by easier routes, like you said yep. in the previous episode, Axel. And I, I feel like that's the same thing that that happened here. Yeah, it, it's because it's referenced as like there's war going on to the south in in failed and right in the like the first episode, but yeah. it very much sounds like it's a long way away. Yeah, yeah. Which and I think and also if you sp- look on those maps, in order to get to Gaelden, you actually have to go, you know hundreds of hundreds of leagues out of your way in a big roundabout circle just to come back to, you know, 20 yeah. leagues south of where you started. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, yeah, you've got the rivers at, from the two rivers are all heading southeast and yeah. the roads head east. And the same thing from failed, and it has roads southeast and rivers south. So there's no... Re- and is that... So there, it looks like there's a, bit, a line drawn. Uh, um, Garen's Wall? Yeah. Is that yeah. like a big... That that's the the uh, uh, rock formation I was speaking of. That that's right. v- fairly impassable. It's it's just right. a very large rock formation. They don't really describe it much. I I just see it as like giant cliffs or giant you know rock spikes yep. or something. So it, yep. it's a so, natural formation. Uh, I mean, as natural as any formation is in the world at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this could be a man-made object, or well, I I, I would venture to say that most of the mountains around there at this point are man-made objects um well that's interesting yeah, very I was straight just yeah. thinking how restrictive this space is that there's so many natural barriers within this little mass of land but now that you mentioned the breaking it makes a lot more sense that yeah a lot of these big formations either a river or mountains would have been brought up in random places and then that would make it really hard to get around anything yeah and and there there have been people that have complained about the the world map saying it's kind of unrealistic like if you look at the the world map itself you've got the dragon wall heading on the east going from north to south and then you've got the uh um, the mountains of the great blight straight across the north running from east to west and they meet at a right angle and Mm -hmm. You know, every map maker who ever looks at this map is like, that is unrealistic because that would never happen naturally. And you have to say, yeah, but this didn't world happen naturally. Wasn't built naturally. <laughs> <laughs> you so, don't have tectonic plates under there that are creating the mountains. They may have just been sprung up magically. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, I would say they probably still have tectonic plates, mostly because they had mountains to begin with. But, you know, the, those tectonic plates got shifted around a bit during the breaking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, geography was a th- geology, geography, all that, all laws of physics. That all happened and worked great for billions of years, but then humans showed up and said, "Oh, magic!" Yeah, and now, oh, fuck knows, just like our world, kind of really. Yeah, except we said like technology, roads, railroads, yeah. <laughs> earth moving uh, machines, mm-hmm. tunnels. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm land reclamation. At- yes. Sorry, I'm I'm looking at this map and I'm starting to understand why there was so much um, shock over the Trollocs showing up. Like, how did they get here? Yeah, without yeah, us that's... seeing them. And when they were um, just before they left town, they can see these masses of Trollocs coming down from the mountains, where realistically they should not be able to be coming from. Right. So there's got to be a way. Port somewhere yes. up in the mountains, way gates. So, so that mountains. explains their shock at seeing them there. Very uh, much and so. I see the way gate. Yeah. 
There it um, is. Yeah, the Waygate is on the map. I can tell you that Waygates, um, the the Ogier, when they they grew the ways, um, they grew them generally to the major metropolitan areas um, because they were very much hired in those metropolitan areas to build stoneworks. Um, and outside of every steading um, that they knew of, they couldn't grow them inside the steading for obvious reasons because right. you can't touch the source inside the set, uh, steading. But... Um, and uh, most of these places where they built a waygate, they also built what they called an Ogier Grove, which is a place where they would uh, tend some of the great trees, um, you know, think like giant sequoias and things like that, just huge, huge, huge trees. And they, they would build one of these groves in, in or near each of these major cities that they've sent the waygates to and put the waygate within the center of that grove. Um, most of those groves no longer exist unfortunately, um, but the grove in Tarvalon is still there. Um, if you if you see some of the, the flyover shots of Tarvalon, there's a, a very large park-looking area, and that would be the Ogier Grove. Nice. And that's where the Waygate should have been, but they had the Waygate way out in the country for some reason, which minor change for the show, but it, it, it worked. Hi, I'm Dr. Pengalod. What seems to be ailing you today? Doc, it's the strangest thing. Every night after I've gone to bed, just as I start to drift off, I start yelling out strange words like Shire, Frodo, and Gollum. Last night I even yelled Mordor. I really don't know what to do. Ah, yes. I've been seeing this a lot lately. What you're experiencing is called Tolkien in your sleep. It's caused by an acute Lord of the Rings deficiency. Tolkien in my sleep? Oh no, that sounds serious. Don't worry, don't worry. It's really common right now. It can be treated with a very simple prescription. Here, take this. It's called Watch Party, Lord of the Rings. Watch Party, Lord of the Rings? It's a great podcast where they talk about everything related to Lord of the Rings. They go deep into the lore, talk about the film trilogy, old cartoon adaptations, and Amazon's Lord of the Rings series. Listen to it once a week, and you'll stop Tolkien in your sleep in no time. Side effects of Watch Party Lord of the Rings may include happiness, giggling, merrymaking, jollification, witty banter, inner peace, enlightenment, and excessive Tolkien while awake. Caution, Watch Party Lord of the Rings may be addictive. So uh, moving on about the Two Rivers, um, the Two Rivers itself is actually part of the, the uh, um, I hesitate to say kingdom because there are no kings, only queens of, of Andor. Um, so... Um, Andor is is technically what they're part of. Um, the capital of Andor is Camelin, which is far, far, far to the east. And the Two Rivers has not seen a tax collector in many generations. So most people in the Two Rivers, if you told them that they were subjects of the Queen of Andor, would look at you like you had just grown a second head. And like what I, I would assume from the perspective of the rulers of Andor, that's some stupid little rural... That, that, some stupid little hicks that it's not worth bothering to go collect taxes from because they haven't got anything. More or less. And it's way, way, way over there. If you look yeah. at that map, it's, it, yeah. you know, yeah. Andor's kind of long and skinny and they're on the far end from the capitals. Yeah, so probably it's a long way away. It's a pain to get to. There's nothing there. Why would you bother? Right. Yeah. They're probably making more money from the tobacco sales than they would from any sort of taxes. More or less, yeah. yeah. If they realized, though, that, to, that they could make money out of the, the tobacco, they would likely have... You'd likely get some entre you know, entrepreneurs heading over there to 
um, to beef up tobacco production. Mm-hmm. Probably has more to do with the fact that the tax collector would spend more in travel money between the ferry ride and, and <laughs> feeding a horse for that long than they would actually gain in the taxes they got once they got there. <laughs> no, not really, because part of the point about being a tax collector, right, is that all your expenses are covered because they're called taxes. And, and or just since we're we're talking about the larger country that the Two Rivers is part of, uh, we've got Whitebridge, uh, which was mentioned in the show. Um, we've got Four Kings, uh, which is a a crossroads of sorts and a major trade hub. Um, and uh, Breen Spring is is actually just outside of Four Kings. Okay, um, that that's where uh, that that's, that's where, where they, we they meet ran Tom. Into Tom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Dana and. Yeah. Um, and then there's also uh, the city of Berlon. And Berlon is is uh, actually just outside the two rivers. Um, it is north of Terran Ferry, um, but closer to Terran Ferry than it is to Whitebridge by a good, good measure. And did we go there? We did not go to Berlon in the show. I'm seeing Shadow Lagoth. Yeah. Nearby. Yeah. Um, so. In in the books, uh, they do go to Berlon and and uh, spend some time there. Um, that's actually where we meet Min in the books. Um, that's that's a, a bit of a difference. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, they they just kind of pass by Berlon in in the show, and for for understandable reason, you you only have enough budget to build, you know so many major city sets and and for a place that you're passing through and staying at an inn you don't need a, to do the whole city you can you can just do you know a, a night in the woods instead as a matter of fact um now that i'm thinking about it that night in the woods uh when they all found they all did the dead bat dream thing mm-hmm. um that actually took place in Bearlawn in the books and it wasn't dead bats it was dead rats okay <laughs> Because okay. they were in the city, so of course there were rats everywhere. Gotcha. But, okay. Yeah. So you know, just just little changes like that, and and it's understandable why they made that change because you know that that scene in the middle of the forest is a lot cheaper than building a whole bear lawn. True. They did still mention it though, because that's where they lie about being from when they're in uh, Breen Spring. Yeah, I'm 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 yes. surprised you caught that. Yeah. Very nice. Um. So now we're going to talk about uh, the town of Emmonsfield uh, itself, uh, where our heroes are from. Um, the town itself is kind of centered around the Winespring Inn, which we saw in the show. Um, the Winespring Inn um, is near the source of the Winespring Water, which is a spring, obviously, named the Winespring because it's very cold and very sweet tasting. Um, and it runs through the center of town and runs out and joins the the what's known as the the waterwood and the murkwood until it joins up with the the two rivers that are flowing out. Um, well, by the looks of it, the way that it works is that it basically sinks into the ground in the waterwood and the and the mire. Yeah, yeah. Well, the um, waterwood and the mire. I mean, think think very swampy areas. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so likely that's again a, a geographical change from the fall, like from the yeah, yeah, from the because and and quite so again jumping back to potential history of 
of Menethrin is that that was likely a river that that was likely the Methrin Dell. The, the original the Menethrin Trail, yeah, would have yeah. run come down from the mountains down there and connected up to um, the other two rivers. Um, because if you look at again the regional map, you've got the White River and the Taran River can join, like they join, and where they join, they turn into the Menethrin Trail. But it would make sense that the Methrin Trail would originally have come from Menethrin, right? Rather yeah. than appearing at the edge of the territory like it does. That that that's a very valid point that you're making that I have never thought of in my thirty some odd years of of reading these books. So thank you for that. And and of course you like you if you're building a fortress, the big really important thing to have is a water source up in the mountains. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, that being the headspring of the uh, of this of the wine spring, and it also explains why you have the gap in the Westwood. Yeah. So it's all really not. It's all there. I think all the evidence is there that that's how it looked pre, you know, before the blight. But it's never described anywhere, which is really cool. And also means that Emmons Field would have been an important location back in the olden days, mm-hmm. which is probably why I was the so most important to have that. It would be the most important the of the locations in the two rivers. Yeah, and and I was just about to actually touch on that because, uh, as we know, that was the the place where King Aemon made his final stand, and thus the why it's been given the name Emmons Field, and he made his final stand there because that was the highly defensible position, the last highly defensible position before you head up to Menethrin itself, um, and because of that, there was actually a a uh, uh, Travelers Inn and Garrison that was located there, which, while that was two thousand years ago and that building no longer stands, the the uh, the foundations of that building are still there, and uh, our our current Wine Spring Inn is actually built on those foundations, and in the book, those foundations actually extend much much farther beyond the actual building itself as as though this the the building that had originally been there was much much larger but the the wine spring in itself only used a part of that set up on a tiny corner somewhere yeah and and there are mentions of you know giant centuries old oak trees growing in the middle of of that area so obviously you know nothing has been on that it other than where the wine spring in itself is but um yeah that's that's the wine spring in um, the Wine Spring Inn is in the books. It's the only tiled roof in town, and it's it's got this brilliant red tile roof. All the rest of the houses in town are thatch, which they obviously changed for the show a little bit. Um, they they looked more of a a wood shake shingle kind of thing, but yeah. Continuing with uh, the town of Emmons Field, um, out in front of the. Wine Spring Inn, uh, there's the Village Green, which we saw in the show was kind of that central area where everybody congregated. Um, there's the Village Green is known for the old oak tree, which we saw catch on fire at the end of the first episode. Um, and that's where they erect the Beltine pole um, when they celebrate Beltine, which they were supposed to be doing at the end of that first episode, except the entire town was on fire by that point. Um <laughs> Trollocs are such terrible party crushers. Very much so. (laughs) And that village green is actually where the source of the wine spring water is. It just kind of bubbles up out of the ground there and then 
continues its merry way into the westward. So who or has the water rights then? Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to say that I think they're a little bit socialist in that <laughs> means in that, you know, the, the water is, is usable by everybody. And it, it, it is so, it is remarked upon how cold and how sweet the water is. So I think, you know, people really enjoy the, just, uh, drinking straight from the spring there. Then my question is, do they have a lovable town drunk that hangs out around the, uh, well <laughs> of the town? <laughs> Wine Spring Otis. Yeah. 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 But uh, I do, I do I, have I, the kinks running through my head with Village Green Preservation Society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the Village Otis might be old Senbui, but uh, we'll get to that when we get to the, the townspeople. Um, so uh, within the village itself, you know, obviously there's the smithy. We saw the smithy. Um, and there are several other just like craftspeople and, and, anything that you would think to find in a small town like this in the middle of nowhere. Um, and the town is a little bit bigger than we saw in the show. There's, there's, you know, several rows, several kind of small streets within Emmonsfield itself. It, it's not just, you know, a few buildings around the village green, like, like we saw. Um, and part of the two rivers is they are very self-sufficient. They actually don't need much, if anything, from the outside world. Um, they, they do trade with the outside world. Um, they, they obviously trade their wool. They trade their tabac. Um, some peddlers like Pod and Fane come in to trade some outside goods. But for the most part, they are self-sufficient. Uh, most of the stuff that they need, they make themselves. Um, and then the, the government. Uh, this is where things get fun. Uh, the government, we've got it as kind of a bilateral government, I guess you could say. You've got the village council headed by the mayor on one side. And you've got the women's circle headed by the wisdom on the other. And they kind of split governing duties between them. Hmm. Uh, so that, so that, that adds a little dynamic to Nynaeve and Egwene's relationship. Yeah. Very much so. It's like she's uh, definitely caught between the two powers in town. And uh, so uh, the 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 women's circle, led by the wisdom, um, they're the the ones they kind of they they're kind of the guardians of the culture. They they make sure that the culture lives on. Um, they make sure that stories are handed down. Um, they deal with social issues. So you know if if there are social issues between people in town, you know. Um, they're the ones that, that, that would, you would go to with that. Um, so they, they are the village green preservation society. Very much so. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, they're the ones who tell girls when they're at a marriageable age and, and are allowed to braid their hair. Um, they, they also, I don't know that they'll admit to it, but they tend to arrange a lot of marriages, I would say. Um, not in the, this person is promised to that person, but more in a, like we saw with uh, Rand and Egwene, everybody just kind of assumed they were going to get married because, you know, they 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 had kind of been pushed together by many people throughout time, and and now it was just kind of assumed that that was where things were going. And yeah, so like a fiddler on the roof matchmaker kind of thing. Yeah, 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 very much so. yeah. A, a big part in in a community 
like this in places like this, you would need a degree of social control to prevent inbreeding developing. Yes. People that would have a record of who you, who everyone's great-great-grandmothers and gra- grandparents were because it would be very easy for that to end up being eight people if you're not paying attention just because you're going back four or five generations. Yeah. They're also the doctors. Yes, very much so. The, the, from what, from what yeah, we the, saw. The wisdom is kind of the, the local doctor, but everybody in the women's circle is expected to have some competency with with herbs and, and uh, healing and remedies and things like that. Um, the, the wisdom generally, um, basically anybody from the women's circle should be able to step into the wisdom's role for a moment if required. If the wisdom were to suddenly die, they don't want to be without anybody able to do those kinds of things. So Or blow um, town with four other people and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. Yes. Leave the entire town without a doctor. So so does the village council have both men and women in it? Or is it a, there is a men's government, yeah, it, half of the government and a women's it, half It's very much government. a men's half of the government and a women's half of the government. Which is interesting because and, the show chose to portray it as primarily just a matriarchal society. And they almost yeah. didn't have any kind of male influence shown in that at all. You know, it's like there was one reference to, you know, Egwene's father being the mayor, and that's about it. Yeah, and and I I think I understand why they did that, which, you know, they had a lot of setup to do in one or two episodes to just gel this world in people's heads. And in order to gel it as not being like the world that we are currently in, they leaned heavily into the matriarchal the the things that we would read as matriarchal just to make it more obvious that that things aren't run the same way that we run them and and i think you know later on in the series we might get more more information about other you know about less matriarchal societies out there but you know i think at the beginning they just wanted to lean into that in order to to just set the world up for people much in the same way that the the opening with leandrin just saying you know you make it filthy was just you know they they wanted to lean into that 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 men do not hold the the reins of power in this world yeah, yeah. they've also made mention and kind of subtly that men having power exists in this world though because that you have that whole thing with leandrin where she mentions that men are still pulling the strings. So yeah. obviously they're and, intending to pull that into the show later. They just wanted it different for the first time. I mean, and also, I mean, they have the King of Failden and uh, the, the whole white, the whole Inquisition, which is a male-dominated yeah. organization. So it's, I think, very clear that both exist. Yeah, then yeah. you have, like, the local leaders, like, you know, in Faldara. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. I mean, we don't know what background we don't know much about Leandrin's background from the show yet. Um, she may come to a place wh- from a place where um, the men are in charge of everything. But I mean, we've already seen that the the, um, the region that the Two Rivers is located in is a matriarchy, like that the queen that 
they may or may not acknowledge is always held by a woman. So the Andrin's perspective is not necessarily universal one is trying to, what I'm yeah, trying to say. Yeah. Um, and then uh, on, on the, the masculine side, we've got the village council and the mayor. Um, the village council is always uh, seven council members and the mayor. So that side is always eight people. Um, the women's circle can fluctuate in size. Um, and that depends on how many women, I guess, they feel are of a high enough caliber to serve on the women's circle. Yeah, qual yeah. qualifications, not quantifications. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, so that, that table in the inn that was all women when um, Egwene... Mm -hmm. returned from her initiation that were all drunk and buying her drinks. That was the women's that circle. That was absolutely right? the women's circle. I want to party with them. <laughs> yeah. I want so, the women um, who yeah. banded together to stab the Trollic to death. Yes. Yes. That was uh, Days Conger or Days of Conger, um, which we will get into in a moment. We'll, 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 we'll meet some of the, the members of the women's circle and the, and the, the uh, village council. Um, anyway, in the village council, um, their main duties are they uh, set the price of wool and tobacco for when the, the wagon trains of merchants come um, to make sure that no, no particular farmers undercutting the other farmers or doing anything shady. They present a united front. It's kind of the, the farmer's union. And when they come into town, they say, this is what you will pay for, for your goods if you want them. And Good old-fashioned co-op. Yeah, very much so. Um, they're, they're also in charge of the defense, um, which up until Trollocs came to town, there really wasn't a whole lot of need, honestly. Um, you know, if, if somebody said that they were concerned about somebody else, they would, you know, send a few men over there to, to keep watch on the farm for a while. But, you know, for the most part, there's there's – no war, no no big things happening in the two rivers that they really even need any kind of a standing armor, army or anything to take care of. Just send Tam out in front of anybody with his sword and you're covered right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's that's the two rivers army right there, Tam. <laughs> yeah. um, although I will say uh, one thing about the two rivers, and uh, this is going to start sounding very familiar to Axel, and I think uh, I'm... I'm, I'm hoping that they will go off on, on a little bit of a tangent with this, but uh, the two rivers are known for their longbows. The two rivers, um, people in the rest of the world, when they say a two rivers bow, laugh and think that it's a quarterstaff or a club. And the two rivers longbowmen can uh, hit a bullseye at something like three or 400 paces, some ridiculous... Mm range and uh i think this sounds very similar to a certain uh yeah, yeah like welsh longbows like exactly. and, and again very much very similar it's an isolated part of the world that nobody really cares about um i mean that that would imply that um they would go like they they hunt um probably quite large creatures um which likely live up in the mountains and the sand hills mm -hmm. or in the, the depths of the woods where you want to be able to shoot them and you don't have the opportunity for, you know, a couple more. Although on the plains, you're at long range. So big, 
And I was just thinking, actually, the main thing that they might need um, a militia for would be wolves and bears. Yeah. Like if it's a harsh winter coming out from the uh, from the woods and the mountains. Yeah, very much so. Um, and and I think that's what most of the the reason why they are known for these bows is for that very reason: wolves and bears. Uh-huh. They're they're very remote and and have to deal with a lot of stuff and yeah. don't, and have, don't other have other people a... come and deal with it for them. And they don't have, I'm assuming, much in the way of metal. Um, because there's no mining industry except for the stone quarry. Um, um so well, it'd be expensive. Um, so you do, basically, I'm thinking you wouldn't build armor because armor takes oh, a lot oh, yeah, of metal yeah, and yeah, is yeah, expensive. You build armor. I was going to say that they clearly have metal because the, yeah. there is a smithy um, where where Perrin obviously works. Um, yeah, and Bearlawn to the north is a mining town. Yeah, so they they would have access to to raw ore from Bearlawn yeah. for sure. But it's ex- basically what I'm saying is it's it expensive, and if you can avoid using it, you're going to, and a good way to avoid using it is to shoot things when they're a long way away and can't hurt you. Yeah, stab it while it's still over there instead of stabbing it when it's way over here. <laughs> right. Exactly. When it can yeah. stab you. Yes. Or, yeah. e- or eat you. Yes. Yeah. It kind of makes it sad and frustrating then that the bow that they depict Rand with is nowhere near like that. I would, yeah, that, I would love to see him yeah, I was using say, a, that wasn't a true longbow. longbow unstrung as a walking quarterstaff, like you'd mentioned. That yeah. would have been really cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's how it was depicted in the books. Like I said in, in when we were watching the show, it drove me nuts that he walked around with his bow strung all the time because, A, that's bad for bows, and B, in the books, when his bow is unstrung, it's it's, you know. It's a walking like straight stick, essentially. Stick. <laughs> yeah. And and as I think you also mentioned, the importance of not stringing bows until you need it is the kind of thing that, that Robert that, that, that Robert Jordan will talk about at great length in the books, because that's the kind of nerd he was. Yes, very much so. Um, and then as far as as uh their defensibility beyond just the longbows, um, there are some contests and things like when they have feast days, they always have uh, quarterstaff contests and things like that, you know, to see who's, who's the best shot with the bow, who's the best quarterstaff person, who's the best, whatever. Um, and I can tell you, uh, Tam Althor wins the, the archery competition every single year. Um, and Abel Cawthon, who is Matt's dad wins the bow staff competition every single year. Oh, interesting. So I wonder if we're going to see some quarterstaff work from Matt in the future on the show. That would be cool. That would indeed be cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they they don't have, like we said, a standing army. They don't have, you know, armor and, and all of that stuff. But they are a defensible people. Not that you really need to defend from much when you only have one way in and out of the, the region. But as we've just learned, suddenly there's another way in and out of the region. And as we have seen, they are willing to throw down should the circumstances require oh, yeah. it. Yeah. And and that's part of the the culture of the people in the two rivers. Um things said about people in the two rivers. They they could teach mules lessons and outweigh to stone. Like they, they are known <laughs> as a very stubborn people. Um I believe I have found yes. my and even people within the two rivers will say if they have 
it doesn't matter what hits them. If they have, you know, failing crops and a harsh winter and all of their, their sheep die and half the town burns down, they'll just roll their sleeves up and start rebuilding. It's, it's the only thing they know how to do. They, they yep. Get to choring. Got to do the choring. Pitter patter. So, let's get at her. So, you know, just, you know, really, really a very stubborn, but, you know, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps kind of, kind of people. Um, that fits with gen- Pam's little uh, talk with Rand at the beginning of the, the series about yeah. moving forward and the wheel always goes on and we have to go on with it. Yep. Yeah, very much so. Um, the, the people in the two rivers in the books were slightly more prudish than they are in the show. Um, in the show, it, it seemed like, you know, they, a little bit of, uh, sexual shenanigans between the young people is, is no big deal. But, uh, in, in the books that, that is very much indeed a big deal. Um, they're very much a, a no sex until marriage kind of, kind of culture. Um. Uh, other than that, though, they're very relaxed, uh, very socially free. Um, uh, they There's very little class distinction in the two rivers. Um, you know, you've got the Alviers on the higher end. You know, they own the inn. They, they you know, they, he's the mayor. Uh, they, they probably make a decent amount of money. And, you know, they have the only red tile roof in town. So obviously there's something going on there, <laughs> but the difference between him and, you know, anybody else in town is not much. And, and, and those differences, they don't equate to any social standing really. Um, so you could almost say that they're kind of a, a socialist utopia in a way. Um, you know, they, they, they work together. They, they, you know, they, they help each other out. They try to get things done. They, they will build back no matter how much you beat them down. And, and the important thing is helping each other to them. And universal health care. It's mostly poultices, but yeah. <laughs> it's still if universal. Speaks, you know, speaks. I would, I would be fine with a poultice based health care plan right now. It'd be better than what I'm working with. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the thing is, it's it's like, so it's a poor region. Um, it's going to be weather dependent. Everyone is dependent on everyone else to survive, uh, which means that you don't have the opportunity, really, the opportunity for wealth disparity and class consciousness or, or class divisions to come from anywhere, right? Yeah. Um. And healthcare would likely be reasonably decent as long as they know about cleaning. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like 90% of the difference between modern healthcare and shitty lives back in, in the then way back when was is not because of medicine, it's because of hygiene and sewage. Mm-hmm. Mm. This um, is true. So if you know that shit is bad and you know how to wash things, and it seems like the, they, that's the kind of information that would hold over from the olden days, because it's not difficult. Well, 
all I can say is I can easily close my eyes and see Nynaeve saying, did you wash behind your ears? So exactly. I, I, I right. think they're probably, they're probably okay. Yeah. And actually the fact that they have the, like going, the ritual cleansing of going through the river speaks to not that being part of cultural knowledge that cleanliness is important. Yeah. But Except when you're see... spewing paint and blood on someone. <laughs> yeah. We, we see her clean the wound as she protects it when she's healing Moraine. So mm -hmm. even in her version of healthcare, she is using those sanitary practices that you would not see in an older type of healthcare system. Yeah. So that's one of those things that it depends on when you're talking about. Um cleanliness is a thing that has gone in and out of knowledge um yeah, for instance to... the vikings were far more cleanly mm -hmm. than we give them credit for and the renaissance was far less cleanly than we give them yeah credit yeah right yeah and a lot of that seems to have to do with cities like big because in big cities you couldn't keep them clean yeah mm -hmm. so shit got everywhere so people don't think about it and so that becomes like very set like and of course cities are where knowledge is and where all the cool trends come from so if people in the cities are dirty then that's the way to be yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> um and that also yeah, actually I, informs I, a lot of how um european imperialism worked um european cities were really great um disease generating places so when europeans went to 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 places that didn't have new exciting diseases like not like the americas um they killed everybody um on mm. the other hand when europeans went east to india and 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 like um especially equatorial countries with big cities, they had so many diseases that the Europeans couldn't handle it and died in their droves. So they stayed on the outsides and had guns. Yeah, I, I actually, I read something very recently about uh, the Palace of Versailles and how it was actually disgusting at the time. Yes. Uh, because, for, so I, from what I understood, uh, the the king and all of his hangers-on were hanging out. At, at, they would move from palace to palace as they kind of wrecked them. And they, when they ran out of chamber pots, they would just kind of go wherever. Yep. Because it, 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 it's on the, the servants to clean it up, and the servants couldn't keep up. And eventually you'd have these palaces that were just absolute pigsties. And so they'd move on to the next palace for a few months or whatever while they left people behind to try to clean up the palace that they just turned into a sty and, and 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 you can add to that in winter if it got really cold because the shit and piss would just freeze you really didn't need to worry about it oh, um yeah. it's actually something that is referenced uh, in the descriptions not like pointed at in neil stevenson's um system of the world trilogy mm -hmm. is that the name of the trilogy um it's a really good one for uh, stuff about um, late Renaissance, the world. Do, does anybody else know this, the series I'm talking about? Not familiar. Um, the last Stevenson book I read was uh, The Diamond Age, I believe. Okay, so this was after that. It's, it's, it, yeah. it's just, it's, um, right, it, The Baroque Cycle is oh, the yes. name of the, okay. of the trilogy. Um, because yeah, one of the one of the major protagonists is French, and she runs through 
through the cities or and through the palace, you know, through through court intrigue. So it touches on some sh- some shit like that, um, pun intended, so to speak. Um, yeah, <laughs> highly recommended if you want to get a sense of what the world was like then and esp- and it d- across the world because it does span everything. Anyway, sorry, back to oh, uh, I, I, actually, I, I love that recommendation. I think I'm gonna do that because I, I love Neil Stevenson's stuff and that's a subject that I am very interested in learning more about. So yeah, nice. Um. Continuing on with uh, the the culture in the two rivers, um, we've got some some a few. They have festivals quite often, like most agrarian societies will. You know, they're they're going to have their festivals and their feast days and their this and their that. Yep. But there are really four big days when everybody in the two rivers comes together, and they don't all come together in the same spot. You know, the the people near near uh, Watch Hill gather in Watch Hill. The people near Emmonsfield gather in Emmonsfield, etc. But those big celebrations are uh, Winter Night and Beltine, which are one celebration. Um, it, it's think of it like Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, as it were. Um, mm. It's it's the celebration of the spring equinox, so the last night of winter and the first day of spring, essentially. And we saw that Winter Night celebration where they they were lighting the the lanterns for their lost love lo- lost loved ones. I can say that really, I can. Um, and then Beltine the next morning is the celebration of spring and they, they put up the Beltine pole and dance around it with ribbons, which is very much like the Maypole celebration that we're all familiar with mm-hmm. or somewhat familiar with. I don't think any of us have actually witnessed a Maypole celebration. We just know about their existence. You'd be wrong there. <laughs> oh, well, I, should, I should have suspected that. <laughs> Yes, maypoles and um, oh, what are they called? The the ridiculous country dancing with the bells and the clubs. This oh, this fuck. sounds like some some weird English stuff that I don't know. Oh, it totally <laughs> is. <laughs> the maypole is a thing that's meaning is. God knows, likely changed over centuries. Protestants hated it because it, you know, Puritans hated it so because it was fun. So a lot of old law got lost during that period. Um, but yeah, and and like it's found throughout Europe too, like um, not just in the UK, but I think uh, it, it just gets talked about here. Anyway, yeah, um, that um, Morris Morris dancing is guys dressing in like there's white costuming and like little you know like um colorful um ribbons and jingling bells and they have sticks and the dancing is kind of like to and fro and square dancing kind of a thing but you bat each other with the uh with the sticks along the way um it's great and ridiculous the traditional image of the maypole is the british one which is the very tall pole and everyone dancing around it from the whole village um in Germany, there are a couple of interesting ones. In the south, um, they don't have a designated pole. They ha- they have a tree, and people from different villages will steal. Like guys from villages will try and steal them from like um, try to steal the tree from each other. Yeah, they try to steal the may ba- the maybaum, the may tree. Um, so so uh, okay, are they are they like cutting down the trees or are they digging up the trees? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So okay. the, the tree has been turned into a pole. 
oh. right? But it's, it's a fresh thing, like, um, and it's called the Maybaum, so the May tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and if your village's tree gets stolen, you have to invite the thieves to your village for a piss up, and you oh. provide all the beer. <laughs> Oh, so loser buys the beer is the point of the yes, time. yes. <laughs> okay, so now as I a see result, why that's it's a, a big deal, right? So this is um, where high school thing, rivalries yes. come from, then. And, yeah. and for for our listeners who don't understand uh, that colloquialism, piss up um, actually just means getting really, really drunk together. Yes, yes. Because um, that could be confusing to some people, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, the another. So in, in Western Germany, um, around, I, th- I think on the Rhineland, so, um, there's a tradition of unmarried men will plant a pole in their sweetheart's front garden for the 1st of May. Oh, interesting. A little Freudian um, there, but... Uh, I was going to say. This is not Freudian. Like the, the, the most likely point of the whole Maypole thing was, was shagging. Right. It's a spring festival. This is when you get into it. Right. Like with the whole everyone's dancing around this pole going in circles and everyone's holding on to a rope. And eventually you're all going to get kind of tied in and connected up to each other as the ropes get shorter because they're getting spun around the tree. You're going to end up very close to other people. And the point of it is that this is done by, you know, young men and women. So, yeah. And, And that's exactly how it's done in the two rivers. They they get the young they're considered adults so like women who have been allowed to braid their hair things like that uh but unmarried people to do the 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 beltine pole or the spring pole with each other um and it's for that very same reason to you know get them very close to each other to to hopefully get them married off and um yeah um, beltine business time <laughs> um our next big big uh festival that kind of brings everybody in the two rivers together is the sheep shear and uh this happens late spring early summer um the entire uh town and surrounding area will get together by the river and uh they will shear all the sheep and collect all the wool and and do all that and do it as a community so sort you know, of a harvest. Yeah. A so way. so yeah. each person brings their flock through, their flock gets shorn and washed and bailed and moved on, and then the next flock comes through. And everybody has a hand in that. That's a barn and, raising uh, for sheep. Very much so, yeah. <laughs> um which which just shows, like I like I was saying earlier, the somewhat socialist society that they have going on here. It you know, it's not strictly socialism like we think of it, but it's 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 a co-op. Yeah, it's it's a co-op. I, yeah, that that's, that's really the best way to put it. Um, and there actually is a short story based around the sheep shear um, that's out there that I think I'm going to have you all read at some point, and we'll react to that because I think that that one can be read without any spoilers because it's uh, it's following Egwene when she's nine years old and carrying water at the sheep shear. So I, I think we'll have some fun with that on on a future episode. Um, and then uh, the next big festival in the Two Rivers is Sunday, which is uh, the the uh, summer solstice. Um, and, you know, like many of these types of societies, they celebrate the solstices and the equinoxes or the, the solstice. Yeah, something like that. And... 
Um, so and then, a big part of that is that it's easy to tell when they are. Yeah. Calendar days mm-hmm. aren't because who needs to keep track of that shit? Yeah. Yeah. And and the funny thing about Winter Night and Beltine is it's ostensibly at the spring equinox, but the date actually changes year to year because they tend to go by when the first lambs are born and when the first crops start to release. Yeah, I, you was, know. I was going to say it's a very agrarian thing to to have those festivals just because yeah. raising raising animals and raising crops are very much based on the weather and when seasons are changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Um, and then their their last big day that they all uh, tend to gather for is called Fool Day, and that's in the fall, um, shortly before the harvest. Um, and that they they tend to get together and exchange small gifts and play small pranks on each other. It's it's April Fools. Yeah, I thought that it, was supposed it, to happen it, in April. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> it, it feels like a combination of April Fools and and a little bit of Christmas kind of a little Halloween in there too. Yeah, yeah, it, it, or it's, Devil's it's, Night at least. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, it, it's all harmless fun, but you know they they try to poke fun at each other just to that that's what Fool's Day is. That's just Keep you humble. I wonder if Pat and Fane visits humble. for that one too. That would Ooh. be interesting. Oh, that would be interesting. See Pat and Fane there for Fool's Day. If you if you prank him, he may have a list. That's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you got me. Oh, I'll get you. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Four Cats Boutique on Etsy. That's the number four and cats with a K. Katie and Jordan have some lovely art they would love for you all to check out. They have custom bookmarks, prints, and even these beautiful book page posters that have passages from some of our favorite fantasy series like Lord of the Rings, A Song of Ice and Fire, and, of course, The Wheel of Time. You all really should check out 4Cats Boutique on Etsy and get yourself some bookmarks and amazing artwork. That's the number four and cats with a K. 4Cats Boutique on Etsy. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the inhabitants of the two rivers now. We're, we're getting really granular now and talking about some of the people. Um, first, I'm going to go through the, the village council. Um, we've got Bran Elvir, um, who is Egwene's father, the proprietor of the Winespring Inn, and the village mayor. Um, Bran has run, run unopposed as village mayor for, for many, many, many years. Basically, everybody likes him, everybody trusts him, nobody wants to run against him. Um, well, if you run against him, he can cut you off. So that's you know, not a good political move. No. <laughs> <laughs> you get the banned from though, the inn and it's like, oh, yeah. in that case, you know, if you, if people like you more, they're just going to come over to your place and drink your moonshine. Yeah. Nobody needs the pub, right? Like, again, this is, you've got farmers, they can grow booze. Tam doesn't matter what. You know, he, ha- he has a cool place, but it's only as cool as he is. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, some rebel out in the woods with an apple brandy still. Yeah. <laughs> Probably Dave in the, in the house right next door to the pub with an apple brandy still. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, speaking of that rebel in the woods with an apple brandy still, our next member of the, the council is Tam Althor. <laughs> um, Even better. Close, close enough to be able to stab him in the back. Yeah. Um, so the other members we have, uh, there's Senbui, who is, uh, the local thatcher. He, he thatches all of those roofs that we talked about that are not thatched in the show. Um, 
Senbui is also yeah yeah maybe he's a shingler in the show um Senbui is also known as being old irascible cantankerous he's 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 that old guy in town that no matter what's going on he's going to poo on it you know, the neighborhood he, watch yeah yep. the na- yeah very much so <laughs> old man RP yelling Ty- at cloud rp tyler of the yeah, yes watch. he he's abe simpson that is exactly who senbu is <laughs> back in my day um we've got john thane who's the owner of the mill um there's obviously a mill in town because in agrarian societies where there's a gathering place there's a mill um we've got harl luhan who is the village blacksmith he is who perrin was apprenticed to however in the show as we see they kind of did away with perrin being an apprentice and he and and layla just were the village blacksmiths so hopefully uh, age them up yeah yeah well well i'm hoping that uh it's just perrin had had gone through his entire apprenticeship and took over the the forge so that good old Harl Luhan could could take a break because you know, he's getting is up retired. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so so Master and Mistress Luhan in the books had a had a fairly big role and they were really good people and and I was sad to see them not in the show but again I understand there's so much from the books that you're not going to be able to cram into the show. So um, and then we've just got a few other uh, members of town, nobody of any great importance except for Abel Coffin, um, who is Matt's dad. But I sincerely doubt that the Abel Coffin on the show is part of the village council. That just, that doesn't seem fitting. Yeah. And he would be the town of... undertaker? Horse trader. He, yeah. Yeah. His last name's Coffin. Coffin, Cough. not coffin. Uh, okay, coffin. sorry. <laughs> Your accent confused so, me. <laughs> so is <laughs> Cawthon, um the depiction of of Matt's parents very different on the show? Uh, sorry, very, in the books different. than it is in the show. Yes, um, Matt's parents in in the books are, you know, well thought of people in town. They're they're you know part of the community. Um, his father is is a farmer and a horse trader. Um, his farm his his dad always won the the bow staff competition at feast days. Um, usually would come in second to Tam on on the the uh, bow and arrow. Um, you know, he, they they were decent people. They just, but uh, again, I understand why they changed it up in order to shortcut a lot of matt's development you have you know understanding that he's coming from the place he's coming from in the show just shortcuts a lot of the character development that we that they did in the books when you can actually be in his head and understand what he's thinking it's an interesting change because you you talk about how there isn't in the book there isn't a lot of social stratification yeah matt's family seems to be less well off materially Um, especially when you look at that leaked script it described their his bed as basically a blanket that he puts on the ground yeah it seems that's by their own choice though right because yeah the the people that they show matt's parents as in the show would be the kind that would be very much outside of that social structure so being outside would mean that they would not get the benefits of being 
part of the social structure. So that would make sense. And, and I feel like in the books, um, somebody wouldn't be allowed to become that destitute in the two rivers. Um, the other people around, you know, they would have family around and even if they didn't have family immediately nearby, the, the rest of the people in the region are family. It's, it's that kind of a tight knit community. And I cannot see that being allowed to happen in, in the two rivers in the books. But again, this isn't the books. They, they did change it up and, and I don't see it as, as necessarily a, a horrible change. Like I said, it really shortcuts a lot of the Matt character development that, that we, we just don't have time for. Plus you miss out on the horse trader joke in the later episodes yeah. for the book readers. <laughs> Anybody need a horse trader with no horses? um so uh as far as the women's circle um there are a few members of the women's circle we already know Nynaeve is is the wisdom um and the head of the women's circle um there's also in the women's circle we know of Marin Alvir who is Bran's wife so um seems like a little bit of a uh, um Oh, what's the term I'm looking for? Conflict here? of interest. Thank you. Conflict of interest. There. <laughs> or power couple. Yeah. Um, you also have uh, Alsbet Luhan, which is uh, Master Luhan's wife. Um, get uh, a couple other local village residents, and you get uh, Daisy Conger, as, as we saw in the show. Very rambunctious woman, very loud woman, and very defensive woman. And, and Daisy is an awesome force of nature. Um, if, if, if you think that Nynaeve exemplifies, uh, the, the stubborn and, and irascible nature of the two rivers, then you guys really need to spend some time with Deza. Other notable people in the two rivers, uh, I would be remiss if I did not bring up the Coplins and the Congers. Um, the Coplins and the Congers are two families of people. Um, they're so intermarried that it's hard to tell where one leaves off and the other begins. Um, and they're kind of the pain in the ass of, of everybody in the region. Um, I, I really think it's kind of based on a, a Hatfelds and McCoys kind of situation. Kind of reminds me of the uh, families in Hobbiton being described at the beginning of Lord of the Rings also. Oh yeah, very much so. Um, yeah. Um, nobody here knows any of those family names, but we all know families like that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think some of no us names have shall families. be mentioned. Great, great here. aunt Labella who keeps stealing your silverware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to mention any names, but I know. <laughs> Um, but, uh, that's about as much as we have for, uh, the two rivers for this episode. Um, any, any thoughts, any loose change that you guys have about, uh, the area, the culture, the people, the, the geography? Well, I have one question and maybe you won't answer it because it could be a spoiler, but do we go back to this area and these people in the, in the books? I will say, I don't know. They have changed enough from the books so far that I couldn't tell you. Hmm. But like they do in the books. But in the books, they would have. Maybe. (laughs) 
Or maybe does, they wouldn't have, does, and I'm saying that they might go back. Does anybody else from Two Rivers leave? Does anybody else leave town to join the story? Um, other Again, people from the Two Rivers leave and and are have and get um, and are met in other areas of the world, but it's always a brief encounter. Um, so I guess what really the, the question is, is us going through all of this stuff, is this just, here's some stuff to know about episode one of the series and to give you some insight into the characters or in, into the characters that are in the main story, or is this, this is stuff that will be relevant in seasons ahead? You know, our listeners who have not listened to other episodes may find that of interest. <laughs> <laughs> what was the point of we this episode? Into a corner. Uh, the point of this episode is I wanted you to know the the background and the history of these people that are at the heart of our story, so that you know where they're coming from, so that you can understand their position in the story as the story goes on. Whether or not that story will include returning to this area, I am not going to say but i will say i probably would not have just spent an hour of time telling you about all of this just to give you a background of who the people in the main story are. there we go you see this, you, the folly of something wasn't so hard it felt like pulling teeth a little bit there <laughs> i am i am i'm really taking my my job seriously of of not spoiling things and there are so many things that i almost say and then i think no that leads a little too much and <laughs> so yeah um we take our job seriously of making you say stuff you don't want of, to of, of making me squirm <laughs> no i'm, I'm or, very happy um, i just want to know like there is a boundary i don't want to know stuff but understanding context is right. useful yes i wonder if uh if matt's gonna wind wind up back there as he changes identity mm. uh for next season mm. you know the that's that's a that's a break from the book i wonder if we're, we're gonna see another visit if, if he'll go back and then something else will drive him back out to the uh to the quest mm. yeah, interesting thoughts so i mean we, we we've seen that the two rivers is fairly geographically isolated but there is some back and forth. I mean, Tam left. Yeah. Um, Tom said, you know, oh, you can always tell people from Two Rivers by how they dress yeah. and how they talk. Um, yeah, I mean, Gleeman come through the Two Rivers occasionally. It's it's not a, you know, several Gleeman a year. It's more like a Gleeman every four or five years might come through the region. But, you know, Gleeman come there um, twice a year at the sheep shear and um, at the tobacco harvest. Uh, you've got just massive wagon trains of merchants coming through to buy buy what they have. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's you've got peddlers coming in. So it's not completely cut off from everything. They have people coming through multiple times a year, bringing news from outside, bringing, you know, trade goods from outside that are mostly ignored. Um and you just don't go there on your way to somewhere else. Yeah, you don't go there. It's a destination. It's not a, a through through point. Um, because there literally is no through route. Exactly. It's a dead, like there is, the road is a dead end, so. Yeah. And and as we've seen, people do leave the two rivers and come back. I mean, Tam left, you know, had his, his whole adventure in the army and then came back. Um, and 
nobody really thought much of it. It's not necessarily super common, but it's not unheard of either. It's not like everybody has a rum springer where they leave the two rivers, but you know, there are several people who are like, eh, I'm going to go walk, have a walk about for a bit. It comes across as a very well designed location that kind of matches like the, 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 the culture matches the geography and um, the history of the place. Like I, I'm really actually you talking this through really impresses me with how Robert Jordan developed it because it would be really easy to do dumb things, yeah. <laughs> you know, that it hits the the exact kind of thing that makes my knowledge of politics and geography and 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 economics, etc. Uh, etc. Et go no, that is wrong. That is dumb. That is not how people work. This does not make sense. And and I've got none of that. So cool. Yeah. Just just looking at um, the show, I would have expected a town that was self sufficient to be a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um. um but. At the same time, you know, they built an entire town and then burned it down. I can see why they wouldn't want to <laughs> yeah, put yeah. in a hundred houses. They actually built the structures too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I feel like what they were doing there was just like you know we're going to show you the village green and the houses around the village green. You can imply for yourself that there are more rows of houses behind those kind of thing. But, that's yeah. that's that's fair. In the X-rays, we got the aerial view that said, yeah, there really are just the houses around the green, but in yeah. a real town, you've got you know, streets that go back. Yeah. And, and, and because and there's no um, there's no population density pressure here, like you could have a, the the town could be massively spread out. Yeah. Right. You could have you could have a you know a house has a farm around it and a standard tree so you can't necessarily see the town from any any vantage point you know what i mean yeah um and they use town or village really loosely here because they tend to include a lot of the outlying farms as being part of the town um and you know they aren't huge 40 acre farms like we think of today they're they they were you know something that a family could easily farm on their own. So a, a smaller area farm, but still they're going to be spread out more than they would be, you know, right next to each other in a, in an actual village, but they still consider themselves to be part of the village. So, you know, the, the, the density is not great, but it's still considered part of the town. I think, and this is, this is very tenuous memory. Um, pre-enclosure in um, rich areas of Europe, you would get towns that spread out a lot more like that. Again, one of the things that drives towns to be dense is the need to stick a wall around them because you've got wars. Right? Hmm. Um, there's no wars here. Like this yeah. is really an idyllic paradise in a lot of ways, right? Like, yeah, yeah, very which much. kind of makes sense for a post-apocalyptic recovery, right? Like all the really yeah. bad shit is dead and gone. You've now got like the places that people are. You've now got very few people, so you can choose where to live, and you live in places that are good, and so you sprawl. Yeah, good thoughts. Yeah, but since it's so remote, nobody knows about it. Mm -hmm. And it's got a reputation of being sort of hillbillyish. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get a lot of people coming in to to stake their claim. 
And those two things are going to feed on themselves too, right? Because nobody goes there and has a reputation for being hillbillyish, and because it has a reputation for being hillbillyish, people don't go there. Right. So it'll 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 remain. It it could very easily remain like this forever. Yeah, and then you have the people who want to escape the hickdom, and mm-hmm. you know they want to go. So yeah, it's it sort of keeps things sort of even. Mm-hmm. Go out, see the world, and decide. You know what? The world's all right, but home's kind of better because yeah. And I'm not going to tell them. I don't want to break people's illusions about my home because then they might show up, and then my home gets less fun than it less less pleasant to live than it is now. Yeah. yeah. How are you going to keep the dragon down on the farm when he has seen the bright lights of Tarvalon? <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, speaking to that like idyllic nature and the the idyllic agrarian uh setup of of the the town um just once again shows how much it, it's supposed to be hobbiton really i mean yeah it just has that that same kind of everybody comes together and everybody is is knows everybody kind of feel and and just that uh, idyllic feeling yeah. of being there it does a better job because it shows that everyone has a job as opposed yeah. to being able to just get by. Because um, the, Hobbiton, the reason that Hobbiton is an idyll is because they're living on the empire of the East Rons and the South Rons that they don't talk about. Okay. Because hobbits <laughs> are the English middle class of the yeah. 18th and 19th century who are living on the fruits of the empire. And their life uh-huh. is great because you've got the working class out there oppressing the rest of the world. Ah. So right. there are working class hobbits out there somewhere that we're not. No, they're about. well, presumably, right? Because ah. the only because the, the only working class person you really get in the Hobbit is Sam, right? And yeah. he's a good farm boy who knows his place in society, who knows that that Bilbo and Frodo are like they're the ruling class, yeah. you know, and Mr. he know, Frodo, he knows sir, his yeah. place, sir. And when yeah. they go on an adventure, they act like um, an officer and his Batman in the army at the time, which again, ruling wait, class, whoa, whoa, working class. Wait, wait, I can, wait, wait. sorry. <laughs> you're, you're saying Sam is Batman? He, Batman <laughs> is. <laughs> Have you seen, you've seen Blackadder, right? Oh, yes. Right. So Baldrick is um, Captain Blackadder's Batman. Batman was a term oh. for the, for the, like, um, basically, for the servant of an officer, the dog's body, the dog's well, body. Yes. No, that no, that's Alfred. Batman's <laughs> the master. Alfred's the servant. You're getting it. All. I can't believe I have to explain this to you. You're the one who's supposed to know history. Yeah. Well, so the thing here is that Alfred is in fact Batman's Batman, and therefore is the better Batman. Which, of course, you'd know if you watched Gotham. <laughs> where he's played by sean pertwee they're not oh, yes. enough said okay i i will say that sean pertwee as alfred is the best thing about gotham and i won't say anything about the rest of gotham <laughs> anyway we will we can agree to disagree on that yes we can agree to on everything on else about about uh about gotham yeah um yeah so uh <laughs> we other... learned something new today <laughs> <laughs> any other thoughts before we uh wrap this thing up I just can't get my head around the fact that Batman means something else. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think a Batman would probably be somebody who is like sort of the 
like an assistant coach on a cricket team. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I but, think that's but that would be a from, bat right? boy. But then now well, we're no, a batsman because he's an assistant coach. So well, yeah, but in a cricket team, the person that is batting to... is the batsman. Well, the batsman, yes, but who's in charge of the bats? Yeah, yeah. Oh, like you're you're told the officers maybe? bat for them, right? In a cricket match. Yeah, that, yeah. I can imagine yeah. that were would, would be one reason why it would come from. I don't know. Okay, we're out way in the weeds now. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody grab a bat. Yeah. <clears throat> Two American guys talking about cricket. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, um, Batman derives from bat horse, uh, which was uh, an 18th century term that meant pack horse. So the Batman okay. was in charge of the bat of the, the pack. He he was in charge of the pack horse that carried all the officers' kit. So the no, okay. Uh, I, I'm going to have to cut you off again because Batman. There's a bat cow. Um, there's no bat horse. Superman has a horse. His name is <laughs> there's no bat horse. So it, there's a, there is the bat cow. There must, wait, there must be a. Bat there's horse. a bat cow. There is a bat cow. Yes. So surely there must have been like a, an alternate Batman that's set in the Wild no, West. I've learned something today. Yes, but he didn't call it a bat horse. It was. Did he ride it? It was his horse. He rode it. It's the bat horse. <laughs> okay, back to uh, our show about the wheel of time. <laughs> I don't envy you the editing of this. Episode. Yeah, this one's no. going to be fun. Um, the nerd virgins here has gotten a little out of hand. So moving on, uh, we've got mailbag, 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 mailbag. Uh, this one from our friend Kristen. Um, and Kristen says, the last three episodes have absolutely blown me away. You guys are so genuine and real. There are times you teach me and other times that you bring tears to my eyes. I'm so thankful. Wait till Kristen hears this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she'll be a little less thankful after all that talk about Batman. <laughs> Uh, she says, this most recent episode, Siobhan broke my heart with her story about her daughter. Also, many thanks to her for the recommend the recommend of Bloody Wood. My husband is, is Punjabi, so we went straight to find the album. As someone immersed in India and as a musician, it's amazing to find out a band like this exists. It feels like hope for a country that really struggles at times to carve out an identity beyond the typically strict limits of Indian society. Since I'm now officially a Siobhan fangirl, I need... I feel I need to drop a couple of other thank yous. One is to Axel for her, their glorious history bombs. I love their commentary. The other is to Star Trek guy because I'm a lifetime trekker, but I haven't been able to figure out if that is David, Greg, or DW. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're Neither not the only you. one. Uh, she says, honestly, you're all amazing. And as always, Ruark, you rock. Yes, I do rock. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, Agreed. Yeah, thank you so much, Kristen. That that was a wonderful letter. Um, and I'm, for I'm, the I'm record, glad... that's Dave. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Kristen, for the love. D David is our our uh, Star Trek expert. DW is our Shakespearean um, actor expert. and yes, Shakespearean expert and industry insider. And Greg is our gravelly voiced Cajun who knows about all things music. Now we shall. And references older <laughs> than the 1980s. True. True. Yes. <laughs> um, actually, Greg, I just realized that is the way that we can distinguish. You need to start talking with your Cajun accent. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need to do a lot more drinking. 
<laughs> we do want to be able to understand him too, though. That's that's very true. Well, then um, you're going to do a lot more drinking. <laughs> if, if we all get as drunk as he is, we should understand him just fine. It, it's like understanding Scottish people. As long as you're as drunk as they are, you'll you'll understand them perfectly. <laughs> you won't need the subtitles. Yes. If you have a letter that you want us to read on air or just want to send us uh, some some nice words of encouragement, uh, you can send those to watchpartywat, watchpartywot at gmail.com. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll read them on the air, and, and uh, we love to hear what you have to say about us and the show, and especially if you want to tell us how awesome we are because that always feels good. Uh, you can also check us out uh, what watch party or at what watch party on Twitter. And with that, I think we're just going to wrap this all up. We're going to say thank you as usual to Michael and Jen out at the Secret Island headquarters. Thanks, Michael and Jen. Thank you, Secret thank Island. Thank you, Michael and Jen. Thank you. And be sure to check out their uh, their podcast, Watch Party Lord of the Rings. They're really starting to dive in now that we're getting some uh, sneak previews of the Lord of the Rings series coming up. So uh, go check them out. That's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, that just leaves us with the final question. So final question for the panelists. You are living in the two rivers. What is your place in society? What is your job? What are you doing? I'm probably a cook at the one spring in i could see myself doing that i have never had a job that did not end up being herding cats <laughs> so <laughs> i'd be the person like get, assigning everybody jobs and running around making sure everybody did what they were supposed to so if you're a professional cat herder i think that means you're the wisdom <sighs> or at least at least on the women's story council. of my yeah. life at least on the women's council story of my life i'd likely be that guy who doesn't nobody's really sure where he lives shows up whenever think whenever actually something needs doing um and does just about enough of it um and then goes down the pub if i think about it real deeply i'd probably be the village teacher and what what subject would you teach math everybody <laughs> hates it but i love it <laughs> <laughs> I'm not seeing a whole lot of differential calculations involved in shearing sheep. No, but uh, no, but you know, that there's whole, that whole setting the pricing. And... Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, let me get it.